Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Richard Queen, CEO and co-founder of Dignify Health, a value-based care platform that's raised $7 million in funding. Richard, thanks for chatting with me today. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, so before we begin talking about what you're building there, can we just start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background? Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, my name is Richard Queen. I'm the current CEO of Dignify Health. And while I bring an educational background in finance and accounting, I spent 15 years within healthcare operations, both inside of hospitals and independent provider groups. And I was, <laughs> I tell people I've been a technology geek since I could walk. So as a result of that, I've really specialized in data and analytics and automation throughout my career, all but automating every job I've ever been hired to do. So you typically wouldn't find me in my office. I'd be in the lab, spinning down blood samples. I've been in full lead vests next to cardiologists doing heart casts. I've run DaVinci robots, whatever anybody would let me do, I would do. And I uh, truly fell in love with healthcare. I've learned it from the ground up and ended up looking at healthcare operations differently as a result. Uh, the pinpoint of finance, healthcare, and technology has really allowed me to be multilingual in a world that is so siloed. And so in my last operational role, I spent five years as a CFO of a multi-specialty group and having started accountable care organizations from scratch, experiencing firsthand the struggle of delivering today's value-based healthcare. I created the prototype for Dignify Health's core clinical software out of those first-hand struggles. And would 10-year-old Richard be surprised that you ended up being founder, or sorry, co-founder and CEO of a tech company? <laughs> Absolutely. That was uh, that was never on the radar, even uh, maybe even five years ago. <laughs> and what was making that transition like for you? Was that most recent position, I think you said it was CFO? That's correct. So going from CFO to CEO, what was the the most difficult part of making that transition? Well, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't an overnight transition for sure. Really, it was being able to see the first impact of of what we were doing with both providers and patients in that setting. I, I knew I had to break out from that role to see what was possible, or I'd regret it the rest of my life. And so during that time, I spent a couple of years making a lot of mistakes and learning a lot of lessons. But was fortunate enough to turn those into things that allowed me to along with others, co-found and start Dignify Health. Nice. That's amazing. Now, a couple of questions that we like to ask just to better understand what makes you tick. First one is what CEO or what founder do you admire the most and what do you admire about them? Yeah. So when thinking about, you know, where I learned hard work, work ethic, you know, humility, trustworthy, being trustworthy, all things that are very important, it may sound cliche, but I'm fortunate enough to call that person my dad. You know, he really instilled these values in me. I guess you could say uh, he and my mom founded my family. So uh, in that sense, he's a founder. But, you know, teaching me to be grounded in these values, to lead by example, to persevere through challenges. And I really learned through experience the importance of operating in this manner. Early in my career, that wasn't the case. There was a time when, quote unquote, success was the goal. Uh, You know, I wanted the title. I wanted the prestige. I wanted everything else that I saw those who were 30 years older than me having and it remained out of reach. And so it wasn't until I learned that success is really not the goal. Success is the byproduct of small acts of daily discipline that are done repeatedly. And when operating by these values and in that manner, the goal became disciplined execution. 
And the natural extension of that is success as a byproduct. Amazing. I love that. And what about books? Is there a specific book that's had a major impact on you as a founder? And I always say this can be one of the classic business books, but the ones that are really interesting are, I think, more like the the personal books that have influenced how you view the world and how you think about the world. Yeah, that's uh, there's so many that my mind could go to that have been influential. But one that really had a, an influence early in my career uh, is called The Leader Who Had No Title by a gentleman named Robin Sharma. And what I really keyed in on in that book was the natural God-given strengths that each of us have to perform at the top of our abilities, regardless of our position or title. And in really embracing that, you know, we may face challenges, we may face oppositions and other things. In fact, it's not a, a may, it's we will, but no one can keep us from trying our hardest or being our best. And it's it's a joke I make now, especially with my, my 16-year-old son. I use this with him and he just rolls my, rolls his eyes, but the FMOB, the first, the most, the only, and the best as an acronym. And you got to be, you know, there's a balance there. It, it's not out of arrogance or, or sort of domination. It's out of grit and determination. You know, especially when growing a company from the ground up, you have to daily dig deep. It is a roller coaster that is hard to describe to someone unless they've been there. And when all odds are stacked against you and every statistic says that you're going to fail, you have to know that you're right and that those statistics and obstacles are wrong. And no one can stop you from giving it your all, from overcoming and from finding success. And even that word success, you have to find your definition of along the way. You know, sure, there's going to be metrics you have to hit. There's going to be targets to achieve. But while it may be contrary to, to some public opinion, the greatest successes really are subjective, not objective. Mm, fascinating. I love that. Now let's switch gears and let's dive deeper into the company. So I think I saw online you launched in September 2020. Is that correct? That's correct. So take me back to September 2020 or the the months leading up to that before you launched. What were those early conversations like? What sparked this idea? And then what made you decide, yep, this is it. Let's go. Yeah. So really, you know, a bit of a unique origin story. So while CFO of the of the group that I spoke of earlier, we started taking on risk with our insurance payers and insurance companies, meaning we would contract with them for a certain group of patients to say, we are going to create better outcomes in these patients. We're going to create lower costs. Therefore, that insurance company will share in the savings with us. But what we found out is we had no ability to forecast cost, no ability to forecast utilization, no ability to know what patients needed higher levels of engagement. And so the prototype that I created at the time began allowing us to see these pieces of information that we just never had access to before, didn't have at our fingertips before, had an almost immediate impact in the population and in our quality scores that we were measured on. We started getting compliments from our payers, which if you if you work within the healthcare industry, you know how almost comical that that sounds and with, with little to no disruption to clinical workflow. And so it's really the results from within the healthcare system that I knew I wanted to see the impact far beyond the walls of, of that medical practice. And as I said earlier, when leaving that role as a CFO, didn't go straight into Dignified Health, you know, tested it in other health systems and other electronic medical records, like I said, made many mistakes, fail forward, if, as is so often said, and learned those things that, uh, again, fortunate enough to turn those into, along with the other co-founders and the early team, fortunate enough to turn those lessons into beginnings of Dignify Health. And so, as you said, started bootstrapping in mid-2020 and you know raised a, a successful seed round uh, to begin operations. And now we're an all-in-one platform for value-based healthcare. And we're bridging the gap between electronic medical records or EMRs and true clinical decision-making. And so through care gap closure, chronic disease management, automated workflows, 
payer data feeds and so many other things, we're providing real-time high-impact insights beyond EMRs to help providers and staff shift workflows from reactive to proactive. And the great thing is that we ultimately get to optimize patient outcomes while maximizing financial performance for those health systems. And on the topic of fundraising, I know you mentioned there in the pre-interview that you're based in Kentucky. Do you think that may or created any challenges for fundraising? Like, Would your fundraising efforts have been easier if you were in Silicon Valley or New York City or one of the other tech hubs? I think the answer has to be yes, and further complicated by the fact that I, you know, that's not the background from which I came, you know, coming from an industrial or an industry background, I should say. Those were some of the lessons learned, but was fortunate enough to have co-founders and early team that did have some of that success. And so really leaning on them in the early days, uh, <laughs> drinking from a fire hose, as, as is said, to learn and equip and educate myself to be able to approach those meetings and investor rounds and other things, you know, you're, you're running as fast as you can. And we obviously did something that people saw on lights because we set out to raise 3 million and we, we oversubscribed by more than 2X, taking in 7 million on, you know, a prototype with some case studies and a, a very ugly PowerPoint deck. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you think? This show is brought to you by Frontlines Media, a podcast production studio that helps B2B founders launch, manage, and grow their own podcast. Now, if you're a founder, you may be thinking, I don't have time to host a podcast. I've got a company to build. Well, that's exactly what we built our service to do. You show up and host, and we handle literally everything else. To set up a call to discuss launching your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. Now, back to today's episode. The investors saw in the deck and in you and in the solution that you were building. What do you think got them so excited? I think it really was the fact that this grew from within a health system. I like to say that, and I can say this because I am also a tech geek. So this wasn't some tech geek sitting in their mom's basement, creating something that they think will be useful in healthcare themselves, never having stepped foot into clinical operations. This grew out of clinical operations from someone who just happened to have a technical background and the ability to you know, create a solution while also being involved in the, seeing the bottleneck firsthand and understanding how a solution could come to be. So really purpose built, you know, you could say for healthcare professionals by healthcare professionals and having those results that were more than just a pretty PowerPoint deck, they were proven boots on the ground. And it was simply a matter of scaling those. Yeah. How I like to think about that difference is there's, you know, missionary founders and then mercenary founders and yeah. mercenary founders are like you, you know, you come from the space, you live these problems, you feel these problems, and then you go out and build a solution. Whereas the mercenaries are the Stanford grads or sorry, Stanford dropouts who, you know, see some research report about this massive multi-billion dollar opportunity. And they say, yep, that's it. Let's go build a unicorn. So I, I think that's a, a huge difference. And I think we're seeing a rise of missionary entrepreneurs who are really coming out after living these problems and launching solutions, which I think is just a really exciting time. And I'm really excited about all the innovation that's going to come from that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And and really, while we are, we are absolutely mission focused in rural healthcare markets and what's been referred to as flyover markets or healthcare deserts, the majority of, of the continental U.S. is very rural in nature and may have access to primary care, but is driving an hour or two hours for a specialist. And so with that missional focus toward rural healthcare, it would be hard for me to say I have that mission if I lived in California. You know, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that, but when we're focusing on Appalachian regions and rural healthcare across the U.S., I myself live in Kentucky and participate and partake of healthcare 
in the Appalachian rural region. So I know firsthand the struggles of both providers and patients, which lets us speak to that in, in a unique way and maybe uh, maybe connect in a unique way. Yeah, I think this adds a lot of credibility, right? If you were sitting yep. in your penthouse in New York City talking about these healthcare deserts, I think you would not lose credibility, but you wouldn't have that you know, authenticity, I think, that you're you're living in these communities that you're serving. So that makes a whole lot of sense. Now, let's talk a bit about the platform or the solution or solutions. Can you just walk us through you know, what it looks like for your customers when they start using the product? Absolutely. So we we have, you know, we call a, a land and expand methodology. And so we we have a, a full platform that does all the things I mentioned earlier around care gap closure, workflow automation, payer data feeds, chronic care management, all the things that are keys to success in value-based healthcare. But we don't start there because that's overwhelming. And that's one of the pitfalls we see of so many systems is they're far too complicated and they forget that their front-end users are clinical experts. They're not meant to be IT experts. And so you know, we have an incredible amount of sophistication of machine learning and, and rules engines and, and you know, pick your, your cliche term of the day that's needed to parse this much data that is generated in healthcare. But we keep that sophistication in the background. And what we deliver to the front end users is, is very simplistic by design, meaning we reduce the noise. We give them what they need when they need it to take action on it. And definitely nothing less, but not a whole lot more because we want it to be quick and meaningful actions that allows them to get back to being face-to-face with the patient or whatever their workflow at, at hand may be. And so we start with just a few key actions, going back to my comments around, you know, small acts of daily discipline. We land there and then we expand into the other parts of the platform as they get a handle there, as they, they begin to see quick wins and, you know, quick ROI. And then we expand to the remaining parts of the platform. Mm, makes a lot of sense. And can you talk to us about traction and any metrics that you can share that highlight the growth that you're seeing? Our audience always loves to hear metrics. Yeah, absolutely. We love to, to talk about them. So, you know, just a, a few things offhand. We have a, a single health system that's achieved more than $500,000 in direct revenue through a completely automated data feed that we put in place with their payer. That health system has never even have to see or set up or, or be involved with. And, and they just sit back and collect the checks. But it's benefiting them and their patients in so many different ways. We have a 300 provider health system that generated $1.5 million in shared surplus last year as part of the Primary Care First program. And given the confidence gained in that program, we've now brought them into our ACO Reach program for performance year 2023, where there's an estimated $3 million plus shared savings opportunity for them. And while we, we love to talk about these, these dollar opportunities, because they are so important when most health systems are financially struggling today, these financial outcomes are only achieved when you create better patient outcomes. And so we, even if I don't always lead with that, that is built in and inherent in producing these financial outcomes. A couple others we have, uh, you know, when we rolled out our chronic care management program last year, in the first 90 days, our collective client base saw an 84% increase in their chronic care management enrollments, which again, has a direct revenue attached to it, but also means they are touching that many more high-risk patients in a personal way. We increase point-of-care gap closure. Typically, when we go into a health system, we see that they are closing 8 to 8.5% of their care gaps at the point of service. And we take that to 40 to 50% plus, typically within six months. We see quality scores and stars ratings increase. So many others that I could point to, but you know, for me personally, one of the single greatest statistics that we have in my mind is the fact that 100% of our clients 
have started with some part of our platform and have then further contracted with us for other parts of our platform, showing the value and the partnership that we're creating with these health systems and then wanting to grow that partnership. Wow. So it's working then. The land and expand approach is working. Absolutely. And what do you think about your market category? So is it value-based care? Is it chronic disease management? What is that actual market category that you're in? You named two that we absolutely fit into. And, and I think we have to use the term population health just because that's, that's what people know. It's a term they're familiar with. But we're so much more than that, to your point that you already listed there. And in that sense, we're really trying to redefine that category. And so, so much population health is focused on data and analytics, but the largest gap that we see is the one that exists between health system analytics departments and their patients. They may know what or where their opportunities exist, but how are they actioning those? How are they addressing those? How are they getting it both to their frontline clinicians as well as their, their patients? I actually had a, a gentleman say to me a few days ago, he's the, the BPA strategy for a, a large health system. And he said, you know, I've got a great BI team, but he said, what do I do with the fact that they tell me 84% of my patients have blue eyes? And he's obviously using hyperbole, but the point remains, you can slice and dice data all day long and get some, maybe some good insights. But if you don't know how to translate that into action without disrupting clinical workflow, the impact is not going to be there. And so that's where we truly differentiate at Dignify Health. We translate population health into individual patient outcomes. And we actually help providers close care gaps. We automate payer communication, we maximize financial results, and we are purpose-built to drive bottom-line impacts for struggling health systems while also producing better patient outcomes, like we said. And so as that all-in-one platform, we are generating a network of effects. And if you reflect on your success and this growth that you're seeing, what do you think you've gotten right? You know, I'm sure you've experienced this. There's just a lot of noise in the market today. So how are you able to rise above the noise and and what are you doing to rise above all that noise? Yeah, I think, you know, a large part of that comes down to really understanding our front end users and knowing the struggles that they face on a daily basis. You know, (laughs) some of the busiest people in a health system are the frontline nurses and medical secretaries and registration staff and those that maybe we take for granted on a day-to-day basis, but they're so overwhelmed with the many things that they have to take care of for their providers, for their patients. They have patients calling on the phone, patients in front of them at the desk, and they don't have time to learn a new system or be working out of multiple systems or, or other things. And so, you know, part of that, not only me, I told you my background story, but others on our team come from healthcare operational backgrounds, know clinic operations very well. But we also sat in those seats. We beat our head against those same walls that so many of our prospective clients are today. And so we get to tell those, (laughs) share those same war stories, which allows us to connect, you know, first on a personal level, understanding the, the unique challenges that each other is facing, but then get to tell the story of how we created what we created, why we created what we did, and how it fits into what they're doing and how it, you know, at least takes away a few walls that they're beating their head against. And so I think it's really that domain expertise and knowledge and background inside of healthcare operations that allows us to be a little different than maybe your run-of-the-mill healthcare technology, quote-unquote, vendor. And let's zoom out into the future. So let's say maybe three or five years from today, what's that big picture vision that you're working towards? Well, you know, who doesn't want to ring the bell on Wall Street or or have that great acquisition story. So I'd be lying if I I didn't say I 
you know, we dream about that from time to time, but it's certainly not the day-to-day operating assumption or, or even goal going back to my, my comment earlier about, you know, success being a byproduct. And so again, talking about how we define success, the goal is to create a profitable, sustainable company that is continuing to expand the impact that we're making with patients, providers, and communities. Because when those communities get to tell the stories of, of impacts made within the patients and you know people in those communities, we love to share those stories and those are the ones that we want to see repeated. And so how do we take those at our current you know, base of operations and, and clients and, and expand those to more and more stories being told across rural America? Amazing. I love it. Richard, we are up on time, so we're going to have to wrap. Before we do, if people want to follow along with your journey as you continue to build, where should they go? Definitely dignifyhealth.com. And then you can find me personally as well as Dignify Health on, on LinkedIn and, and pretty active there. So please take a look, follow us. And, you know, if you hear anything or no one knows someone at a health system, this will be beneficial toward, uh, please have them reach out. We'd love to talk to them, see what their struggles are and how we may be able to offer a few solutions. Amazing. Richard, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about what you're building and share some of those lessons that you've learned along the way. This has been a super fun conversation and wish you the best of luck in executing on this awesome vision. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Keep it Dutch. This episode of Category Visionaries is brought to you by Frontlines Media, Silicon Valley's leading podcast production studio. If you're a B2B founder looking for help launching and growing your own podcast, visit frontlines.io slash podcast. And for the latest episode, search for Category Visionaries on your podcast platform of choice. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. 